This is the Rundown. The Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the Auction Community Studio for the next hour. We're followed by All Aboard tonight. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. Sarah Cazell dancing her way out the door. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it, but Sarah's off. She had she had her 10 seconds of interpretive dance, and now she's off. Uh, we got a lot to get into in this hour here tonight, and so I do want to start uh, with the Cardinals and Kyler Murray, a story that we got into last night. I mean, the, the timeline with all of this is uh, Brock Heward was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday afternoon. It's interesting doing the evening show because a lot of times – there are days where it's like, okay, well, the morning show and the midday show and the afternoon show have talked about something, and you know you got to come up with your own take on it that's different but still legit and genuine, right? I mean, you don't want to make something up. It's got to be your honest take on a on a topic. But then there are days where it's like you get the breaking news right in the middle of your show, like when the NBA and all of sports stopped uh, back in March, or uh, you know something like yesterday. Obviously, Burns and Gambo had Brock Hewitt on. But then an hour later, we get to kind of react to it on this show. And I had heard a good chunk of that interview, and then I had played what I thought was most of the other audio before I went on the air. But some of that stuff I was reacting to in the moment. Brock Heward's comments about Kyler Murray. You know, Brock Heward telling Kyler that he he does need to run to be special. And, you know, TV and, and you know, when you're doing the, when you're doing the national broadcast, you have special access to players and coaches of the two teams that are playing in that game. And now it's it's over Zoom. In years past, though, I mean, they would have a sit-down and just kind of have a talk with, you know, the quarterbacks and the head coaches and whatever players uh, that they asked for because, obviously, you're the only TV crew calling that game on Sunday. You know, the, the teams and the NFL want to make sure you have all the access you can possibly get, not so much for, like, sound bites, but more just conversational stuff Anytime you hear like an anecdote during a game or like, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so told us this when we talked to him, well, that's that's when. <laughs> They're not all like friends with all the players on every team. They just they have extra special access that week. So Brock Heward talked to Kyler Murray. And, you know, Brock Heward said yesterday that he told Kyler he does need to run to be special. And, he you know, he, uh, he said with Burns and Gambo that watching that game, there were times where the Cardinals asked Kyler to run and he kind of, shied away from it. And he also said some other stuff that I think raised more eyebrows. There was um, there was this comment on Kyler's practice habits. Here's what I'm seeing, and here's more importantly, I think some of what I was hearing coming out of there is that Kyler is laser-focused on Sunday. He loves to compete, but that laser focus is not there Monday through Saturday. And I think you've seen that show up on Sundays. And it has to be, if, you know, if you're going to be elite in this league, everybody wants to compete, right? And, and you'll hear that all the time. And I heard Steve Kime with the morning guys on Friday. He says, you know, Kyler loves to compete. And Gambo, we were texting off the air in the week about his body language and everything else. And I listened to Burns and Gambo on Friday when I was in town driving. And he talked about his immaturity and how he's got to just grow up. And he's a young player and he's inexperienced. He's all of those things. But here's the deal. You got to be a pro and it's hyper competitive on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday as you are on Sunday. So I'll reiterate what I said yesterday. I'm in sort of an interesting position in that 
up until this season when we can't really go to practice. Because I have the evening show, I'm typically out at practice during the day. So I was out there a lot last season. I would say at least two or three days every week for the entire season. I never, ever got that impression from Kyler Murray that he was just kind of walking through practice, whatever, practice isn't a big deal, I was the number one overall pick. I never got that impression. I never did. I'm not saying Brock Heward's making that up. Brock Heward doesn't make stuff up, at least not in my experience, but I really do think that that's, I mean, he's not at practice. He's, you know, he was here to, to cover the Cardinals one week on the TV broadcast. So what I'm taking from that is that's sort of a behind-the-scenes reputation, or that's what people are saying about Kyler Murray. Either way, it's not good. But that's just sort of my interpretation of it, unless things have changed this year. And I can't imagine somebody that wants to win so badly on Sundays and is so upset in post-game press conferences when they lose would just be taking practice lightly. But either way, Kyler Murray talked today, and the local media asked him specifically about those comments from Brock Heward. Who? Who's? Brock Heward. Who's that? Who's that? Yeah, it's Brock Heward, former NFL quarterback for Fox Sports. I don't know who that is. Is that that work guy? Oh, um, no, I mean, uh, my shoulder's fine. Uh, I I don't think as far as running the ball goes, uh, again, they, I mean, it's pretty obvious if you watch the game, if they make me hand the ball off, I have no choice but to hand the ball off. Um, So I, I don't know what... Uh, you, as far as like, I, I don't know what you want me to do. You want me to pull it and run to it, run into a defensive? I don't know. Like they're they're making me hand the ball, so that's what I have to do. Um, as far as practice goes, I don't know if he's if there have been a lot of practice, so I don't I don't really know what that that means. Look, this is getting oddly contentious, um, and I don't <laughs> totally understand why. The last thing he said right there, I'm not sure if they're even allowed at practice. Again, I'm not trying to knock Brock Heward. I think that, and he said in his quote, flat out, that more importantly, what I'm hearing. That's the stuff, like I was saying yesterday, that if you cover a team or you cover a sport closely, there is just talk as if it's your workplace. There's talk that people start to accept as truth. And some of that stuff's important when you are covering things nationally. You know, Brock Heward comes to town and he hears from people, oh, yeah, Kyler Murray he doesn't really practice the way he, you know, he goes out there, he's intense on Sunday, he doesn't practice so much during the week. I have no doubt that he heard that. And that, whether that's founded or not, the last thing Kyler Murray said right there is, I don't think those guys are really even allowed to practice. That's true. Um, but the bigger picture here is... I will grant you that Kyler Murray could be better in press conferences. And I think he will eventually get there. He probably needs to because he's bringing a lot of extra scrutiny on himself. And a lot of criticism. He hasn't really done anything wrong, right? I mean, after a Miami game, he was he was upset and took a while to answer questions. Uh, last week, he laughed at a question that is a very pertinent question. But whatever. I mean, it's not it's not like the guy's getting in trouble off the field. It's not like he's... Not like his teammates hate him. It's not, you know, it's it's none of that stuff. The one thing I can't help but think, as people get frustrated with him, that he looks unhappy on the sidelines and he's unhappy in press conferences after losses and he just seems surly because, you know, they're losing. If he was happy, we'd be treating him like he's DeAndre Ayton. Oh, you're happy? Your team's losing. Why aren't you more upset? 
So it's it's sort of a catch-22. Like, I don't feel sorry for the guy. He's making a ton of money to play football. I get all that. But I think he's just going to kind of learn that even something like that, where he's like, who's Brock Heward? I mean, you just sat down with him last week. I guess it's possible that you don't remember. Or maybe, like, you know, because it's over Zoom, that's a lot more impersonal. But I don't uh, know. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's possible he doesn't know who Brock Heward is. Brock Heward is not Tony Romo or whatever. I mean, I get that. But either way, he's now firmly in in the spotlight in the sense where like people are looking for him to do anything wrong. And I just, I just think it's a little silly because we've seen in this exact city what happens the other way, where if your team's losing but you're just kind of happy-go-lucky, like, ah, we'll get him next time, guys, then everybody's like, oh, you're not motivated enough. If he was doing that, we'd be treating him the same way that everybody treats DeAndre Ayton. Now, some of this, I'm not giving Kyler Murray a complete and total pass here. Some of this he has brought on himself with these with uh, sort of weird answers to, to questions in press conferences. But I mean, big picture, how much of this losing is Kyler Murray's fault? Like 10% maybe? We'll get more into this right now, though. Let's hit the rapid reaction. The Rundown Rapid Reaction. Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. Yeah, quickly through these right now, but we'll hit on all these a little bit deeper throughout the show. We'll uh, start in college football. (laughs) Wow. I feel like 24 hours ago on the show, I said the Big Ten will just change their rules to get Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. And then look what happened. And I say that not to highlight that I was right, but to highlight it was the most blatantly obvious easy thing to predict I'm sure everybody knew this was coming and the thing I don't like about it is if the roles were reversed and Indiana was undefeated and Ohio State had a loss and, and you know Indiana was the team that didn't have a game like the Indiana was 5-0 and and they weren't going to get to play enough games there is no way the Big Ten would have switched the rules to get anybody else other than Ohio State in there that's where I have the problem uh, Arizona Cardinals getting Larry Fitzgerald back at practice today. If you follow this team closely, you know he typically doesn't practice on Wednesdays. He's been in the league for a long time. He's a very successful player, and he doesn't necessarily have to practice on, on Wednesdays. But he's obviously been out on the uh, the COVID reserve list, so he's back. Obviously saw fit to practice today. I do wonder if maybe that'll kind of give a jolt to the team if they are getting a little... Not like complacent, but maybe just in a rut in practice. Now you have Fitz out there on Wednesday. We'll see. Also, Jordan Phillips designated to return. Doesn't mean he'll necessarily be back this week, but they have been playing without him for a while. Although, there have been you know a couple games or like a couple quarters of games where Jordan Phillips, you could see him make an impact. But by and large, he really has not been the same guy so far this season that he was for Buffalo uh, last season. And in the NBA, of course, the Phoenix Suns will start their season two weeks from tonight. ESPN Plus is going through and doing their top 100 players for the upcoming season. And they released 100 to 51 earlier in the week. DeAndre Ayton was on that list at at number 52. They released 50 to 11 today. Two Suns on the list, both in the top 20. And I went through and looked and kind of tried to project who the top 10 would be, not knowing the orders or whatever, but... Only five teams have two players in the top 20, and the Phoenix Suns are one of them. 
Chris Paul coming in at 15. Devin Booker coming in at 17. Booker was 30 last year. Chris Paul was 32 last year. So two players in the top 17, to be more specific, for the Phoenix Suns. And uh, just, just another indicator of the hype and the expectations that are building around this uh, the Suns team, not just locally. That's what's different. Every year you kind of build up some hype locally as fans because you just you want to believe the team's going to be good. But now they're getting significant buzz nationally. All right, when we come back, the Cardinals obviously have a lot to deal with right now. And uh, the Giants have one specific area of the game where they can make life even more miserable for the Cardinals. We'll get into that next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome back to the show. Luke Lipinski here with you. You know, you, you look at all the stuff swirling around the Cardinals right now, and I can't help but think in the back of my mind, if you just go out there and win a football game, so much of this stuff is going to go away. And I, and I don't want to minimize the value of sports, but how many people driving around right now or how many people do you, do you know that are dealing with stuff right now that they don't really have any control over if or when it gets fixed, right? With everything that's going on with the Cardinals, yeah, you've lost four of five. You've won one game since October 25th, and it was on a Hail Mary. You're on the outside looking in. There's a ton of scrutiny on your quarterback and your coach and Apparently still your kicker. We'll get to that in a second, too. If you just go out there and win the game, you you get rid of a lot of this stress that as a team you're going through. Just go beat the Giants. We're not asking you to go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs. We're not even asking you now to beat the Rams, who you apparently just cannot beat. Just go beat the Giants. Go beat Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy. Where the Giants are going to make it tough... In this game, and this, you know, I, I look at these last four games and I, for the Cardinals, and I'm like, you should beat Philadelphia. You should beat San Francisco, because by then, just with all the injuries and everything they have, San Francisco should probably be out of it by Week 16. And quite honestly, I just don't expect the Cardinals to beat the Rams until, until they do it. It's been seven games in a row they've been blown out in pretty much all of them. The one this week is the one that's really a toss-up. Because... It shouldn't take that many points to beat the Giants. Like they just don't score a lot. They've won four games in a row, but it was 23-20 over Washington, 27-17 over Philly, 19-17 over Cincinnati without Joe Burrow, 17-12 over Seattle. Like Just think about those wins. I mean, you can easily poke holes in those and say, okay, you beat Washington, Philadelphia, and Cincinnati minus their quarterback. The Seattle one obviously is the outlier. But Seattle does this. They do it every year. I mean, even even the years when Seattle is really good and they go on a deep playoff run, they have like one or two garbage games in the season where it's like they just don't show up. It's like they just forget to even implement plays that week or they don't game plan for the other team or they don't want to show anything or whatever. And so maybe that was all that was from Seattle. Maybe it was just a bad game from Seattle. The Giants just don't score a lot, but they don't give up a lot of points either. And so whether you're facing... Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy, whether it's Wayne Gallman or Alfred Morris getting carries, I mean, the receiving game is not great either, other than Evan Ingram. There's not a whole lot of consistency, and even he wasn't real consistent early in the season. 
I don't know. You look at this game. Obviously, the Giants defensively, they are legit and they are very well coached and they clearly buy in to Joe Judge. And they're tied for first place in their division. Even though they have a worse record than the Cardinals, they're tied for first and they've won four in a row. So, obviously, not a team you can take lightly. I'm actually even a little surprised the Cardinals are favored in this game. But I don't think it's it's so clear cut as well. The Giants are you know they've won four in a row and the Cardinals can't do anything right right now, so it's over. Like nah, I mean obviously the Giants are going to lose a game at some point. Why not this week? And the Cardinals are going to have to start turning this around at some point. Again, why not this week? This is a game that the Cardinals, whether they do win this week or not, this is the sort of game that they absolutely should win because again you're built around offense. So when you are playing a team that can't score points, you should just be able to beat them. That's that's the thing. If you're going to build this around Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, it was supposed to be built around offense. And if it's built around offense, that doesn't mean you go out there and you can put up 38 against any team any week. You're not the Chiefs. I get that. You should at least be able to score 27 points at any time. Right? 27 points going to beat the Giants. Unless you turn the ball over on offense. I mean, unless you let their defense directly score points. You should just be able to outscore this team. Because they're not going to score much. If the Cardinals just go out there and protect the football and run some plays where DeAndre Hopkins is not in the same little... Whatever that would be. like It's not even a corner of the field. It's just like a a 10-yard stretch on the left side of the play. If you get a little creative with him, if Kyler Murray doesn't turn the ball over and maybe he even runs a little bit, I know that sounds crazy, and maybe Christian Kirk has more than two yards, you should be able to put up 24, 27, 28 points against the Giants, and that should just be enough. And you win that game, it turns everything around. Although, Bear, you sent me this earlier. Gambo was the one that tweeted out. Zane Gonzalez is still on the team, at least for now, and, and I don't have Gambo's exact tweet, but it was basically... He said he expects Zane Gonzalez to be the kicker when they face the Giants on Sunday. Okay. Hmm. All right. <laughs> I guess I guess we're doing this. There's there's not a lot of scenarios where this game plays out where it's not a close game. So I guess the perfect world scenario for the Cardinals is you go out there and you beat the Giants 27-24 and Zane has the game-winning kick between 40 and 49 yards with, you know, five seconds left or whatever. Because then you get the win. I don't know that you're going to get a convincing, like, I mean, maybe a better scenario is you just win 41-7, to but I don't know if that's going to happen. But you go out there, you win, you win a close game, Zane hits a big clutch kick, maybe he hits one at the end of the first half too. And you come out of that game 7-6, and six, and your kicker feels better about himself, and the whole team feels better about themselves because they just won a big game. But I really think you're playing with fire going into a game that you almost know for sure is going to be close. And you're sticking with a kicker who he does not look like he expects to make kicks right now, does he? I mean, I know none of us expect him to make kicks at this point. I'm, and like I said yesterday, I'm, I'm not saying his career should be over. and I'm not saying any of that. I do think he still has the, possi- the, the potential to be a, a good kicker, but he cannot make a kick between 40 and 49 yards for the Arizona Cardinals in 2020 with any sort of pressure. So uh, maybe he gets the reset in the offseason, 
Maybe he gets the reset by joining a new team. I don't know. But right now, I have no confidence if this game comes down to Zane Gonzalez making a kick with two minutes left or less that he's going to make it. I don't think that's... I'm not being overly dramatic here, am I? You don't, Do you have confidence, Bear? Any? Not really. <laughs> I think we are being... Uh, Unless it's, like we were saying, less than 40 yards. Yeah. Or... I even I even thought uh, on Sunday when he missed that kick to end the first half, I'm like, well, it's not in the fourth quarter and it's not to win or tie the game. Yeah, at that spot, so he'll probably be good. But even and then you missed it. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's fair. And I think we're being nicer or more optimistic than pretty much anybody on Twitter is being right now. I mean, every time the Cardinals tweet anything, if you go to the comment section, it's people writing back, okay, why is Zane still on the team? When are you announcing you're, you're cutting Zane? Again, it's not like if the Cardinals tomorrow were like, okay, we're letting Zane Gonzalez go and we're going to activate Mike Nugent, that they're suddenly going to make all their kicks and they're going to win all their games. But it just feels like you have to change something. And this is where people are going to be rightfully frustrated. I mean, I think you already can be. We went into this game last week being like, you got to get more creative on offense and you need to make your kicks. And then they went out there and they were pretty flat on offense and they missed another kick. So like, I guess the silver lining was you didn't lose because of the kick. But if you go out there and you lose to the Giants 24-23 and Zane misses a kick at the end of the game, or really if Zane misses any kicks anywhere, it's going to be heavily scrutinized now. Then what? Then you're probably out of the playoffs. Unless you're going to win out. Because I don't think 8 and eight's getting you in. I mean, it, it could... But you are then relying on Minnesota to go one and three down the stretch, or to also go two and two, and you somehow get the tiebreaker that Minnesota currently has. I haven't gone through every possible tiebreaker scenario because the tiebreaker right now is winning percentage against common opponents. So maybe there's still a way the Cardinals can get in if they're tied with Minnesota. But you know, honestly, the better way to get in is just be better than the team that has Kirk Cousins at quarterback, and. Unfortunately, it's now gotten to this point. I think you're good if you win three of the next four. But that probably means winning this week, and that probably means your kicker making big kicks against the Giants. All right, we come back. College football has done exactly what we all expected college football to do. And um, Ohio State is now in the Big Ten Championship, and I would contend no matter what happens in that game, they're just going to go right to the playoff as well. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown with Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Okay, I want to be clear going into this that I do agree. Ohio State, based on the eye test, probably one of the four best teams in the country. So this is not meant as any sort of shot at them. And Bear, feel free to jump in if you think I'm out of line here. But the Big Ten changing the rules that they had just, I mean, (laughs) had set out before this season to get them into the Big Ten Championship. I, I don't know why, but it, it rubs me the wrong way for a few reasons. I don't Again, I don't really care about Ohio State. It's not like Ohio State's getting in over ASU. But I guess let's start there. I feel like if Ohio State started the season at 2-0, and 
Like, if Ohio State was in ASU situation, where they had only gotten to play two games, and they had won them both and everything, but if Ohio State was 2-0, and they'd still be doing everything they could to get them into the playoff. So just say that. I know it's a messed up season. I know that this is essentially being done, this season, this college football season in particular, is essentially being done for money reasons. Not essentially, it's really only being done. I mean, I know that the players want to play and everything, and don't get me wrong, I've been, <laughs> I've enjoyed the, the two ASU games until the final couple minutes, and I'll certainly be watching on Friday, and I'll be watching the college football playoff. But don't, don't insult our intelligence and be like, well, you know, this is, uh, well, Ohio State did this, and, and, and you know what, we just decided we were going to switch the rules. Like, you would not have done it if Ohio State was 6-1 and one and Indiana was 5-0. and oh. All you want, all you care about if you're college football is that it's Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Ohio State in the playoffs. So just say that. Ohio State's going to play Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship. I 100% guarantee you if Ohio State loses that game, they're still going to the playoff. So that's the part that, that that's, that's, it just doesn't sit well with me. I'm not saying Ohio State doesn't deserve to be there. I absolutely think they are one of the four best teams. It's just kind of like another layer of this. The NCAA being like, oh, well, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're as shocked as you are that Ohio State is, what an amazing run to the conference championship. They played five games. And I know that the, the push out there now, and I think it was Kirk Herbstreet who mentioned this, um, you know, if you're Ohio State, I guess in theory, you want Alabama beating Florida. Because if Florida beats Alabama, Alabama's 9-1. and They're definitely taking Alabama no matter what. And they should. I mean, Alabama's 9-0. and So then it's like, okay, well, maybe Ohio State might be in trouble because they would still be 5-0. and I mean, I guess now they're playing the Big Ten Championship, but this was before they were just kind of forced into that. And at that point, Florida would be 9-1. and you know, so that's that's the way Ohio State misses, right? No, there's no way. I, I don't even buy that. Why can't they just find them another opponent to play? Because and it, they it wouldn't be a mess. they wouldn't be doing this if Michigan didn't have problems and they were playing this weekend. Yeah, but I mean, so like, let's say that scenario plays out. Let's say Ohio State loses to Northwestern, which I don't think will happen, and Florida beats Alabama. So Florida's nine and one, and they have a win over Alabama, and Ohio State is five and one. There's <laughs> they're they're still taking Ohio State. That's just that's Ohio State's going to be in the playoff no matter what. So we everybody just needs to get used to it. And I think it'll be a good game when they play Alabama. But let's not pretend like there's drama here. It was always going to happen, and when it wasn't going to happen, the conference stepped in and the NCAA will step in if they have to. Ohio State's going to the playoff no matter what. They could they could have lost. They could lose the Big Ten championship, and Alabama and all these other teams could. They're still going. Florida could win. They're still going. That's the biggest thing for me is if they if the roles were reversed and Indiana was in that position, they would not be they would not be switching anything around to get them in. That's that's just the part that I just I don't like it. That's I feel like I feel like I know people are upset at Roger Goodell pretty consistently and people are almost always upset at Rob Manford now. But I at least feel like the the four major professional sports being governed by one body and not being totally driven by money. I understand they are driven by money, but it's it's different, at least, the way they're driven by money. 
I feel like those sports are at least doing a little bit better. College football, you knew who you were going to send as the four teams to the playoff before the season even started. So why didn't you just say that? Play some other games for, you know, for the fun of we can all go out there and watch our own schools play. But it's December 9th. No matter what happens in these final games, these are going to be the final four teams that get in. Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. And the and the Big Ten, it's even worse looking for them because they were like the Pac-12 where they kind of painted themselves into this corner where they don't have any leeway when games get canceled or when teams have COVID-19 issues. Yeah. And now they're like, well, we'll just change the rule, I guess. <laughs> like, even just, the Pac-12 is not going to change the rule. No. And look, in the Pac-12, USC's 4-0. Do I think USC is better than Ohio State? Absolutely not. I, I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying, "Well, USC should get to go too with Ohio State." But what makes Ohio State automatically get to go? I mean, USC is Keaton Slovis is supposed to be one of the best second year quarterbacks in all of college football. They've got one of the maybe the best talent wise aerial attacks in college football. Now, they got flaws in other areas, but USC's four and zero. There's no talk about it, and there shouldn't be. Ohio State's 5-0, and and it's like, yeah, but we know they would have won those other games. Well, then why are we playing any of the games? Just start with them in the playoffs. Just, just be honest about what you're doing. All right, I mentioned it at the, uh, the top of the show, the Phoenix Suns getting more and more love nationally. And um, we we also we heard from Jay Crowder today. I, let's start there. He is one of those guys that had a very short off season. Like I, I know that the NBA season now starting up in, in less than two weeks, starting in two weeks for the Suns preseason game on Saturday against Utah. I get that that is a quick turnaround for you know everybody that was in the bubble, but at least for the Suns, like they played eight games. So you can say, well, yeah, the Suns just played you know back in August, so it's it's four months is, is a relatively quick turnaround. That's almost normal, really. But, um, you know, they've played eight games since early March. So they've played eight games now in almost nine and a half months by the time the season starts. But a guy like Jay Crowder was on Miami. He was playing in the finals less than two months ago. This is a quick turnaround uh, for him, and, and he talked about that with the media. It feels very different. I'd be lying to say if it didn't, uh, because the turnaround is the, the, the quickest turnaround I've ever been a part of in my eight years being professional. So that's a little, it's a little different. Um, mentally, I got to get back engaged. And obviously, with being, you step into the arena, you step into practice, we step in between those lines, everything started to click. So obviously, once you get the news that, that we're going to start here early, uh, our first game is the 22nd, first preseason game is this week. Yeah, I mean, there was, there was uh, also talk about, you know, why he hasn't been there working out with the team. He addressed that because Monty Williams wasn't commenting on it. So it was kind of like in, in this crazy year, you're like, okay, what's going on? Just personal problem. I had some stuff to handle personally that I need to take care of. And um, it took me a while just to uh, get that behind me, but I had some stuff to handle and um, I'm thankful for my coaching staff and the whole organization for uh, working with me with that and, and being patient with that. But I had some stuff to take care of. And now that's behind me, I'm looking forward to moving forward. Jay Crowder is one of the the reasons I'm excited about this Suns season, and there's a lot of legitimate reasons to be excited about the Suns this season. Whether it's you know Devin Booker maybe taking another step, DeAndre Ayton how he's going to react to Chris Paul, just having Chris Paul, what they did in the bubble, Cam Johnson taking a step in year two, Mikel Bridges kind of doing a little bit of everything. So I get that Jay Crowder is down the list when, you, but it's not because 
you don't have good reason to be excited about him being here. It's just there's a lot of other good reasons to be excited about this season. But, you know, him coming out with the comments on the on Burns and Gambo show a couple weeks ago about, you know, how badly he wanted to be specifically in Phoenix and what, you know, what he thinks he can build here. And then you have like Cam Johnson on with Bickley and Marotti yesterday saying, yeah, you know, I'm from Pittsburgh, but Phoenix is my home now. He's been here one year. So you get a sense of, of how things are turning uh, internally and even just around the league, the perception of the organization from other players around the league, which is ultimately what matters the most if you're trying to pull out of a 10-year playoff drought. But I mentioned ESPN's list ranking the, uh, the top 100 players that they've been doing this week, and they are now all the way up to the top 10. You can kind of piece together who the top 10 is going to be. Maybe you can't, you know, can't predict the exact order, I guess. But having done that, you can get a sense that the Suns are one of five teams that are going to have two players in the top 20. It's the Clippers, the Lakers, the Suns, the Heat, and the 76ers. I mean, that's not something that we were even close to in recent years. Last year, Devin Booker was, what, 30? Chris Paul was 32, but Chris Paul wasn't a son. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, last year you had, on this list, you had Devin Booker at 30 and DeAndre Ayton at 66. So two players in the top 66, like, yeah, okay. I mean, there's 30 teams in the league, so if you just do simple math, two times 30, I mean, every team should have two players in the top 60. Now, obviously, there are some much better teams that are going to have four guys or whatever, and it's going to offset things. But as a general rule... Having two players in the top 66 like they did last year, big deal. Especially because you're kind of building around these two as if they're superstars. And I get that this is all subjective, but I'm just using it to illustrate, once again, the optimism around this team. Now you've got three guys in the top 52 going into this season. We had the ringer story yesterday declaring the Suns a lock to make the playoffs. Although the caveat is they had nine Western Conference teams as locks to make the playoffs, and mathematically that does not work. But still, the, the hype around this team, the buzz around this team, just the general good feeling around the Suns is not just local this year. And that does matter because now, now you're talking about it. Now, now you have legitimate expectations. And I think for the most part, the Suns are going to go out there and live up to them. Like if they go out there and they get the seventh seed in the playoffs this year, I'm sure some Suns fans will be disappointed in that. But I think that's, that's fine. That's a successful season for this year. Or it's at least good enough. Maybe not successful. But it's good enough. You know, if you go out there and you stumble, then you're going to have what we are seeing with the Cardinals right now, where the expectations got built up maybe before the team was ready for it. And now there's kind of finger pointing and there's the frustration and there's the all of a sudden you're underachieving. I don't think the Suns are going to underachieve this season. I think this is going to be a fun season. Uh, I'm not alone in that. I think most people listening feel that way. And... um, now we're, we're seeing more and more of it with opening night for the Suns two weeks from tonight. We're seeing more and more of it nationally from sites like The Ringer and ESPN. and The NBA, it's so big, more so than any other sport, to have a couple legitimate stars, like superstar players. Is Devin Booker a superstar? Is Chris Paul still a superstar? I mean, I get that you can debate that, but either way, they're both top 20 players, and I don't think anybody's really going to going to contest that ranking. That's something they haven't had. We've wanted DeAndre Ayton to be a top 20 player, but he isn't yet. But now you got three in the top 52. 
All right, we come back. We will wrap up the show with a little fantasy football. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, final segment of the show tonight because we have all aboard coming up to look at the uh, Territorial Cup. So stay tuned for that. But also, we're not going to have a show tomorrow or Friday. So Bear and I were doing this a little bit earlier in the season where we would just go rapid fire through each game and give our thoughts on the fantasy implications. And uh, since we're not going to have any more shows this week with the Territorial Cup on Friday and everything, you're heading into the fantasy playoffs. I feel like we have to do it this week. So Bear, let's start it off. I will throw the first game at you. Patriots at Rams. Uh, who is the main running back for the Rams? That's the question I have. Is it Cam Akers? Is it Darrell Henderson? Because Akers had a really good game against the Cardinals, and Henderson's been good this year, too. So that's what I want to know. I would say, can you trust any Patriots offensively? They put up 45 points last week, but Cam Newton had 69 passing yards. I believe he has, what, 153 passing yards over the last two games, both wins. So who How knows? are they winning those games? I, I don't know. All right, next game, Vikings at Buccaneers. Uh, the Buccaneers, this is tough now. You're in your fantasy playoffs. You probably have a Buccaneer, but it's like you you have to start Mike Evans, Antonio Brown even, Chris Godwin, Tom Brady's fine, Rob Gronkowski, all these guys, but they're not all going to score. So chances are somebody that got you to this point, one of those receivers is likely going to burn you this week. Speaking of receivers, can Justin Jefferson continue his onslaught of a rookie season? Good work. He's been so good. Um, and the, Vi- uh, the Vikings, the Buccaneers, usually have a pretty good defense, but they've not been that great. So if you have Justin Jefferson, he might go off again. All right. Uh, Cardinals at Giants. Oh, boy. Uh, can Kyler Murray get going? Honestly, he, he I believe he's still I haven't looked. I haven't checked today, but up until this past week, he was still the number one fantasy quarterback. Really? Yes, I believe that's right. And. Over Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, he has trailed off, obviously, lately. If you're in the playoffs, you... I mean, you could have Kyler Murray. He needs to get going. He needs to start running again. Yeah, chances are, if you have Kyler Murray, you're in the playoffs. Because, you you know, you took him behind Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Maybe you had to take him higher than you would if you didn't live in Arizona. But if you're listening here, you probably did a league with a bunch of Arizona friends. You maybe had to take (laughs) him a little earlier. But it'd be nice to feel like he's going to go out there and have a big game because it's your playoffs, probably single elimination, and the Giants' defense has been has been decent. I'm, my question is the same: Can you you have to start Kyler Murray, but do you trust him? Right. All right. The next game on the list: the Chiefs at the Dolphins. Yeah, you know, I would say Miles Gaskin helped a lot of teams get to the playoffs in the sense that he got them off to a good start. He hasn't played the last few weeks until last week. He came back. Just always a question with a running back facing the Chiefs. Are you going to be, or the Dolphins going to be close enough for Gaskin to get the ball enough? I would say, should you start Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Because I believe he didn't play last week. And just kind of like the Buccaneers, the Chiefs have so many weapons, especially at receiver with Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, uh, Travis Kelsey at tight end. Can you? Why should you even play Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and especially if he's not completely healthy? Uh, Titans Jaguars. 
Um, this is an interesting matchup for me because I have both Derrick Henry and James Robinson. So, uh, for me, James Robinson, he came up on the injury report. He is on my team with a little red Q next to his name. And I don't good. like that. So, if is he going to be healthy and can he continue to be a top five running back against the Tennessee Titans? The biggest thing I would say from this game is hopefully you're not facing the team in your playoffs that has Derrick Henry running against Jacksonville's defense in December. Yeah. Oh, here's a great matchup. The Cowboys at the Bengals. Boy, you know, I think Amari Cooper you can still trust. I don't think you can trust anybody else. And I know there were a lot like Tyler Boyd, even T. Higgins. Like A lot of Bengals receivers and players were helping teams now that Make a climb Joe Burrow's out. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not starting any Bengals if I can help it. Do you have any? No. Any, any, any that game is about terrible. This one? Okay, go ahead. Uh, it's your turn to tell me. Oh, fine. Well, then Texans at Bears. Okay. Uh, who is the best? Who is the number one receiver now on the Texans now that Will Fuller is suspended for the rest of the season? Yeah, who is it? Is it Kiki QT? Is it your favorite receiver, Brandon Cooks? Who is it? Got <laughs> a good year. I, I, I will take nothing away from Brandon Cooks. <laughs> uh, same thing, uh, sort of. Kiki QT had a huge game last week, especially with most leagues being PPR now. You know, if he's going to be the possession guy, that's a guy you could probably pick up tonight and start this week yeah, in the playoffs. Probably. All right, I know you have thoughts on this one. The Broncos at the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, look, I'm not even going to tell you my thoughts on Christian McCaffrey and how he missed almost the entire season, and now he's coming back to uh, to haunt me in the playoffs either because I'll face him in the leagues where I didn't have him, and the one <laughs> league where I did have him is the one league where I missed the playoffs. I'll just say a lot of Carolina players, like DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, now very questionable for this game. Yeah, Honestly, it's not a very – if you have a lot of these players on your team, you're probably not doing very well. So the biggest storyline is, is Christian McCaffrey going to actually suit up? Uh, is he going to suit up? Probably not. But Well, he might now because it won't help me. <laughs> uh, Jets at the Seahawks. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> how many points is Russell Wilson going to put up on the Jets? Well, Gre- well, Greg Williams is fired now. Well, whoever is the defensive coordinator call a zero blitz. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, it basically, if you have any of the Seahawks receivers or Russell Wilson, you're probably in for a good day here. Yeah, I would say this is why you picked up the Seahawks defense a couple weeks ago. Yes, for this that's exact a good point, matchup. too. There you go. Uh, the Colts at the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders, I, I would just, is Josh Jacobs going to play? Devontae Booker wasn't all that effective last week, but he has been in previous weeks. Is T.Y. Hilton coming back? Because he had a really good uh, game not too long ago. I, I can't remember if it was la- this last week two. or last week. Yeah, 43 fantasy points last week. And he's weeks. probably available in your league, so I don't know. Uh, maybe Washington at San Francisco. Ooh. I think you can tell you Antonio Gibson's probably not playing. Oh, that's not good. So, who is the running? Who is, is it? McKissick? Is it? Is it Peyton Barber? JT JD McKissick has been really good in PPR formats. Yeah. So, like if you need a guy uh, for this week, you might be able to pick him up and start him. All right, the Saints at Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Yeah, does Jalen Hurts provide an offense uh, boost? For the Eagles, I mean, they they have guys that are at least names that should be weapons. They haven't been in years, but maybe Jalen Hurts gets things going. I don't think he does this week, but who knows? Uh, Falcons, Chargers. Uh, can Justin Herbert 
get back on track after being terrible against the Patriots. <laughs> should be able to. Should you be should, able to. You get, should. You should. Against the Falcons. That'd be good because I have Keenan Allen. So uh, the Packers at the Lions. Yeah, I mean Aaron Rodgers should go off in this game. There's not really a lot to like about the Lions. You may have maybe Adrian Peterson is still a startable running back. If DeAndre Swift is going to play. That's a big one too. Yeah. Uh, Steelers at the Bills. This is going to be a good game. I yeah. <laughs> Can the D- Steelers defense stop the Bills offense? That's going to be the big that's going to be the big one. Do you want to start the Steelers defense? I mean, they've been great for I fantasy w- I, all year. I don't know if I would. I have the Steelers and the Seahawks defense in one league and I'm starting the Seahawks. All right, last one here real quick. The Ravens and the Browns on Monday night. Boy, the the Ravens just are not fun to watch this year. I know they went off 250 rushing yards last night. Um, can can Baker Mayfield do it again against the Ravens? Do can he do what he did last week? All right, that is going to do it for us here tonight. Again, we got all aboard coming up at the top of the hour for your uh, your ASU fix. For Cody Fincher behind the glass, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to The Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.